reading this morning <coughs> can be found in um, Luke chapter 1, and that's on page 1025 in the Church Bibles. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May the word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. Please reveal your message to each of us today for your purposes for our lives today and show us how we can be sure that we have heard from you. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Well, when I was uh, given today, I was told that the subject was amazed at the birth of Jesus. So I looked up amazed in the Oxford Dictionary, overwhelmed with wonder. And I remembered my grandchild, who's about that old at the time, taking me to the crib in her church and saying, Grampy, you know that Jesus. He's God. Well, that's quite good. (laughs) Another grandchild was in a um, nativity play cast as Mary, and it had been devised by the children. But this was in a church full of actors, so they got the script quite well sorted. And once Mary had explained that she was going to have this child, Joseph said this, Well, that's very inconvenient, Mary. I've got something in my diary, didn't you look? But it was a bit more than inconvenient, I think, a bit startling for Mary herself. So this is a two-point sermon. What do you want of me, Lord? And how can I be sure I've understood? 
Uh, and uh, there are two questions, um, really. Who is amazed? Um, and what are the essential ingredients of chili con carne? So hands up, please. What are the two ingredients? I'll give you a clue. My wife said tomato and onion. What are the two essential ingredients of chili con chili? Des. And? Brilliant. Flesh and meat. 100%. This is a picture, awful picture, but a picture of the incarnation. The meat stays meat, and the chili stays chili. They don't change their nature. But together, the one seems somehow to infuse the other. Is that right? <laughs> Jesus has two natures, holy God, holy man. And that is actually amazing. But they don't change. The one invades the other, I think. And we have that in Philippians 2, don't we? That wonderful creed or praise song about Jesus being in very nature God and um, being found in servant, very nature man. There have been some unusual births. It's not altogether surprising when somebody is called by God and the, the arrangements for that person's birth are unusual. Um, Aaron, um, Samuel, no, not Aaron, Isaac, sorry. Isaac, Samuel, Samson, John the Baptist. Who was amazed? Was Gabriel amazed? There are really only two characters here. Was Gabriel amazed? Well, no, he's known for millennia, hasn't he? What God's plan of salvation is and how and who is going to carry that out. And his, his greeting to Mary is pretty strange. Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, at the risk of getting this wrong, my commentary tells me that the favored word is charis, in Greek, from which we get charismatic, the word for grace. So this is, Mary is not the source of grace. She's the recipient of grace. She receives that, same as us. God's messages when he sends an angel are, are pretty startling sometimes. I mean, this is very startling, but Gideon, go in the strength you have and save Israel. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm just weak. I'm the worst. I'm the weakest. Even Jeremiah wasn't very keen. I'm a child. Moses, send somebody else. Mary doesn't seem to respond like that, does she? Even when, was Gabriel the same angel who went to Samson's mum and said, um, you're sterile, as if she didn't know. And childless, but you're going to have a son and he will begin the deliverance of Israel. Mary ought to be amazed, but she doesn't say what, me? She just says how. What do we know about Mary from the passage? Well, it says uh, that her name is Mary, that she is a virgin. It says that three times. Now, some people will no doubt say, well, it's just a word for a young woman in the Old Testament. There's nothing miraculous about this. But why does Luke bother to say it twice? And then she herself says, how? I'm a virgin. I don't know a man. 
So we know that. We know that she's engaged to Joseph, and he's a defendant, a descendant. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> it's four years now. Sorry. We know that, that she's a relative of the mother of John the Baptist, and we know that she comes and lives in Nazareth. But this greeting is extraordinary. So the application for us of a greeting, just suppose God comes to you with a message, a call, wants you to do something, a call on your life, The first thing it says about it is this is not because Mary is especially meritorious. It's because of God's grace. It's not that Mary is going to find this easy. It's because of God's grace. Every application, I hope, is about that. How do we know and how can we trust? If we get a message, I want you, I want you to do this. How are we going to know that we are hearing from God and that's right and it is the right thing to do and it's going to happen? So, hey, well, there's a clue. That's what this is all about. So the first thing that, that uh, her response is um, is that she's troubled in her mind at this greeting, greatly troubled. So look that up. And that's to do with casting your mind over something. It's to do with trying to discern what this greeting might mean. So we get a message from God, mind, discernment. That's something we receive from the Holy Spirit, isn't it? So when we get that sort of shout, what are you doing here? Why are you here? What do you want to do? I hope there are some clues as to how that might happen. She's called by name. God knows her character, knows everything about her, knows what she can and can't do. And this is a wonderful encouragement here. Don't be afraid. What's coming next? Why mustn't I be afraid? But she's found grace. So verses 30. Don't be afraid, you've found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus, Savior. He'll be great and he'll be called, recognized as the Son of the Most High, one of the, one of the big names for God, right in Genesis 14. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. And she says, how? The expression most, most high if she was thinking about how God has revealed himself in the past, might have put in mind Abraham's encounter with Melchizedek, the expression Most High God is the one that he uses. He's the priest of the Most High God, a priest without human lineage, and a king of peace. You could say both those things apply to Jesus. Then there's the reference to God's promise to David in 2 Samuel 7. David wants to build a temple. 
And the prophet, Nathan, first says, yeah, go on, do it. And then he gets the dream in the night, and he goes back to David and says, got it wrong. It's a different message, and then he delivers this message. And the message is that you won't build a temple, but a son of your body will build the temple, and God will establish his kingdom. And then it goes on. That's the near future. That's Solomon. And then it goes on a bit later that this throne will be established forever. That can only be referring to Jesus. That's why this bit here that Gabriel says to Mary could relate back to that. So when we get that message and we wonder about it, and we're troubled in our mind, and we try and discern what exactly God wants us to do, going to Scripture is a good place to start. Asking prayer, how, is a good place to start. And Jesus is fulfilling that and many, many other scriptures at the time. There's the prophetic word. And there's something which you can test in it. Did a son of David become king? And did he build the temple? Yes, Solomon, tick. So if the first part of the message is proved, maybe we should pay particular attention to the second part. You've heard me say that before. That's Deuteronomy 18. And she's thinking, and she's praying about the mechanics of single mother conception. And that's attributed. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. When we want to find out about these messages that we get, we could ask the Holy Spirit to tell us. We could ask for an explanation. We could ask for confirmation. Who's amazed? Well, I'm amazed, actually, about this. I don't know about Mary, really. But I'm certainly amazed that God should come in the flesh. It's not easy to take in, is it? We might need to think and pray and check Scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us the truth of what he says and of what he wants us to do about it. Is there anything that we can check? Did, was there anything that Gabriel says that I could actually go and check? Mary might have thought to herself, oh yes, there's a hint. Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be barren, is in her sixth month, nothing impossible with God. Well, that's very encouraging. I wonder whether Mary knew that already. I've got a feeling she didn't, because it does say a little bit earlier that it's in the sixth month of that pregnancy that the message comes. And going back just before that in the context, it shows that um, Elizabeth... Uh, went into seclusion, didn't tell anybody. It's in verse uh, 23. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. And we know that um, she lives in the hill country of Judea um, and that uh, Mary's in Nazareth and the land of Samaria is in between. So it's a bit of a, tr a trip and uh, an expedition. Jesus went round Samaria, most Jews went round Samaria, not every time. Sometimes. So it's a bit of a trip. Off she goes. And she finds, I think, to her surprise, yes, 
Elizabeth is pregnant. A message, something we could check, she checks it, and that bolsters her confidence. And she gets a bit more than just um, encountering her cousin who's six months pregnant. You could tell by looking, I suspect, at six months. I don't know, I can't remember, it's a long time ago. And Elizabeth has a spiritual experience of God, doesn't she? Because if you look a little further, I know you said I wasn't to go beyond the passage, won't trespass. Just going slightly beyond, you see that the greeting is extraordinary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. Ooh. Elizabeth knows that Mary's pregnant, even though she's gone straight away, and it probably wouldn't show in human terms in the first, I don't know, six weeks. Would it take six weeks to get from Nazareth to Samaria? To, through Samaria, around Samaria, to Judea? So that's a bit of a, um, a, bit of a surprise that Elizabeth knows that. That might be a bit of confirmation of this extraordinary news that, that Mary's had. And then more, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and gives a, a prophetic expression. Why am I so favored, so much grace to me, that the mother of my Lord, the mother of my Lord, the mother of God, how does Elizabeth know that? Only because the Holy Spirit's told her. She mentions that to Mary, and Mary is encouraged by that. If we find it difficult to accept that God is calling us to do something, telling us to do something, it's not completely offside to go and talk to a trusted friend about it. You don't have to go into the desert. And she gets wonderfully graciously, she gets that confirmation before she's asked. And then later on is the blessing that Elizabeth says, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. So that's faith, among all the other tests that we can apply if we get a call of one kind or another. Remember that, if you're faithful in small things, you'll be given bigger things, Jesus says. And she believed that promise Jesus told Thomas that he was blessed because he had seen Jesus and believed. He told the disciples that they were blessed because their ears had heard and their eyes had seen him at work. Faith is strengthened by this assurance. It's part of the Holy Spirit's task, isn't it, to give us assurance. Ephesians 2, we have this deposit assurance, earnest of our inheritance, if you like, A.V., something which convinces us, the Holy Spirit can convince us. And how does she reply? Comes up with some theology, does she? No, 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 I'm the servant of the Lord, she says. She knows her relationship with God, and she knows who's in charge, and she knows who gives instructions. She accepts that role. Be it to me, as you have said. That's the human acceptance of God's gift, isn't it? And for her to be able to say that amazes me. And what is her response to all this? Apart from going to check it out with Elizabeth, she gets that additional assurance, and then it's worship. That's the response, isn't it? There's a huge task, but in the meantime, there's worship. My soul praises the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Oddly enough, 
Um, she said it, which is encouragement to those of us who, as those of us around us know, don't sing with quite the same joy and purpose as everybody else. You don't have to be a good singer to be able to praise God. That is, to me anyway, very good news indeed. So, what's the application of the story of the birth of Christ for us today? What's the, what's the test sometimes that we're supposed to apply for us if we get a message? I want you to do something for me. Well, 1 John tells us to test the spirits to see whether they're from God, and this is how you do it. Any spirit who acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. They don't acknowledge that. It's deceiving. So if we get messages which are inconsistent with Scripture, inconsistent with the nature of Jesus, we should be thinking very carefully whether that is really from God. But if we get a message that does uphold the nature, the work, the purpose for which Jesus came, then that perhaps is a call from God. So I just wonder sometimes, you know, when I was quite little um, as a Christian, the things that you seemed to be able to be called to do were either to be ordained or to be missionaries or to be school teachers or for some inexplicable reason to go into the army. I don't know why. I said I wanted to be a solicitor. Oh, well, I suppose God has a need of lawyers too. <laughs> it wasn't altogether an easy thing to grasp. If it had been, I want you to go off and tell the world um, that Jesus is a really good man, really good moral teacher, absolutely wonderful teaching, then I would think, wouldn't I? Is that really telling the world about the message? So a response to that message is going to be service, it's going to be worship, it's going to have to be acceptance. We need to bear in mind why Jesus came at Christmas. He didn't stay in, this, in the crib forever. It's John 3.16 really. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son to the end that all who believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. So instructions through God that are consistent with that might very well be right. And we might need his blessing and faith in order to carry it out. I think we are told to give that message. So let's pray for everyone who has that message to give. Lord our Father, please give us the messages that you want to give us. Help us to believe and understand them. Help us to accept your direction as your servants, to do your will, to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.